everybody, welcome back to Elevated Office. This is episode 5 of season 3. My name is Eric McGrew with Eric's Tree Service in, Mon- in Montrose, Colorado. And of course, this episode, like all of my episodes of the recent past, is brought to you by Gap Arbor Supply, WeaverArborist.com, and also JustinDetSalls.com. So first, I'd like to task or tackle a topic that um, was stated to me via a review on my podcast, and um, I found it kind of humorous. So I thought that I would tackle that first. Um, some guy said that the podcast was whatever. You know, you're always going to get these negative comments or whatnot. And um, what was funny is that he actually brought out that my sponsor uh that i was um hawking what did he say something like i was hawking chinese chainsaws um (laughs) which you know it's it's funny that somebody would say that because most chainsaws are made in china to a large or full disc you know part um most of the parts made for chainsaws are made in china uh I worked in manufacturing for a number of years and it was for a fortune 500 company. So I have some experience in this area and the difference of course is quality control. Um, big companies have people that are living in China or visit regularly and they do surprise inspections. They check the quality that's coming through. They have, um, resident managers that they, uh, trust and those guys or gals do regular inspections to make sure that less than optimal um, componentry isn't excessively being let through on the production line. So um, the the statement's a little bit broad to begin with. But second off, um, if you know anything about Justin Dittsalls and Lucas, then you'll know that he doesn't hawk anything that is trash. He goes over every saw with a fine-tooth comb, and he makes sure that anything that might potentially be less than optimal standard is replaced. And he makes sure that he sends it out. In fact, talking to Lucas, he has like a less than 2% um, return rate, which is pretty, pretty impressive, I've got to say. Uh, but really what Lucas is focus on, focusing on these days are custom built saws, not so much the farmer tech saws. Even though some of those um, are the saws that are uh, older productions of like steel or husky saws, in this particular case, steel saws. And those saws, he is checking and building. So you, that's why you can still effectively get like a 200T. You know, everybody loves the 200T. Um, so people make a big deal about it. Well, still is not going to have 200 T's in production because they want to promote their newer saws and their newer technology. But some people love the 200 T's. So while, um, Lucas is not promoting them as a steel saw, the interesting part about it is, is that you can actually buy the 200 T styled model from Lucas and it can be fitted with what's it called internals that are OEM still. So really what you're not, 
getting that still in that case is the outer split case, which honestly, all that stuff was made in China anyway. That's why they're continuing to produce them because it's out of patent date and it's da 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 da. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that statement is a broad statement that the guy made, and I think it waters down Lucas, and I don't agree with it. Um, so go check out Justin at Saul's because honestly, every saw I've gotten from him so far is pretty amazing. And, um, I would not hesitate at all to recommend him. If you don't believe me, go check out some of his other sponsored guys. Um, like I, I don't know who all he's got sponsored right now, but definitely Zach Richards, uh, zigzag ZR is sponsored by him and is running a number of Lucas assaults. Um, he does a lot of demo work or whatever with them, or he, I should re- let me step back a second. He runs demo saws that maybe he isn't keeping, but Lucas has sent him for a time period. For me, it's a little bit different because, um, the, the scope of work and the style of work I do is a little bit different. So, um, Lucas tends to, uh, send me, a saw that's mine and I keep it and I run it for a longer time and I cannot be happier. I, there's no way I could be happier with my 2511 T it has become my go-to saw for everything that's up to like 18 inches. In fact, um, if it's eight, 16 or 18 inches, that 2511 still is what I'm running because the thing just rips. I mean, it has made life so much easier for an old man like me. Um, my shoulders and stuff ache and different things. And that little light 2511 it is amazing. The only, only thing that I can say about it, and this is not a, a problem with Lucas or anything like that is that because the saw is so light and small and compact, it doesn't hold a lot of fuel. Um, and the other thing is, is that the, just due to the nature of high performance, the, if you're not watching your air filter real closely, um, the saw will die on you, um, within a relatively short period of time. Like I have to, I have to clean that filter every day or every other day to keep it running fluidly, but that's just the nature of that little saw. Um, and that's not a bad thing. You should be doing that anyway. And the, the, to be fair, like I had been running the, um, carbureted, I mean the electronic carbureted, what are those? The, uh, I forgot what they're called, but you know those electronically assisted carbureted, like the 201 and the 462 and all that stuff. And it kind of spoiled me in the sense that I didn't have to worry about the filter as much. Not that I shouldn't have been. I should have been, but I didn't because the carburetor adjusted so well that even when you had a clogged filter, it would still run. But don't ever misunderstand or don't ever underestimate the amount of strain that a dirty filter is putting on your engine uh, for your salt. So um, try to get in the habit of, of, you know, cleaning that well and making that happen. And um, Lucas is also doing some pretty cool paint work and stuff on, on the saws, which is I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm supposed to be, working out for another saw with Lucas. And, um, and then of course, you know, he also sells quality, uh, chain grinders and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's just my little rant about some ridiculous comment that had no foundation. And that was not, you know, it's somebody talking out of their head and not knowing what they're talking about, to be honest. So, um, remember it's not really where the saw originates from, but really the quality that it's, that's put into it. Um, 
we all know that you can have stuff made here in the States and it's, it can be junk if somebody's not doing a good job with it. You can have stuff made in China and it's really good quality. I mean, everything we buy pretty much is made in China and it's can be good quality as long as the companies are keeping a good eye on it. And Lucas does a good job of hashing over those saws and inspecting them to make sure that they are fluid. So just keep that in mind. All right, so on to the next topic today. Um, I am trying to get back in the habit of actually recording podcasts uh, that go up on the podcast the podcast distribution sites. Of course, I'm using um, Buzzsprout because I found that they're the easiest and most consistent. So you can go through Buzzsprout to find my podcast, um, or you can go to any of your normal podcast distributions: Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. I should be showing up on Spotify, Pandora, and, and various other places like that as well. So if you're um, subscribed to any of those, you can listen to podcasts through that. Uh, and Amazon, I think, has my podcast as well. So uh, please subscribe if you haven't yet. And uh, let me know in the comments or uh, send me a Instagram message or whatever about what you think of the podcast. Is there a topic that you would like me to cover? And I would be more than happy to consider that podcast topic. All right. So, um, I get a lot of questions, you know, for a long time I talked about not owning equipment and I still hold by that depending on what level your, uh, tree service or arborist company or whatever is at. Now the, the nuance to this and the exception to this would be if you're going to get into property clearing, land clearing or forestry work or logging not owning equipment's not an option just absolutely not an option and i would say that in those particular cases um if you're going to do that you could get started out on a more budget option with used equipment but but and here's the nuance to it most of that kind of equipment tears itself apart and requires lots of maintenance if it's used so, am I saying not to buy it? No, I'm not saying you shouldn't buy it. Um, we all have to start somewhere, and sometimes you have limited, well, we all have limited funds to invest. So, if you are going to buy equipment that is um, used, even if you're going to buy equipment that's new, I recommend going over the service manual of that piece of equipment and buying commonly needed replacement parts. Um, do some searches on forums and things. Buy hydraulic hoses that tend to fail um, more regularly than others. Buy certain fittings that will need to be replaced more regularly than the rest. Buy your filters, extras of your filters. Buy any wear part that most potentially could let you down in the field. And learn how to replace that part. Also, I highly recommend if you're running mainly used equipment to go and learn how to efficiently replace and repair that stuff that's common for failure in the field. Don't sit at home and replace it in the shop and, and use your tables and your vices and your da-da-da-da-da. While that's all awesome when you're home and in the shop, my experience is when we're doing logging or when we're doing um, fire mitigating or fire breaks or property clearing, the place it's going to break down is the furthest from home. So, 
um, I really highly recommend that you learn how to do it yourself. If it's something more major, I try to bid into my jobs a little bit extra in case I have to have the service tech called out. Service is not cheap. Remember that you're going to pay about a, well, at least here, because most of the service is in Grand Junction, which is about two hours from where we're at. It's about a $150 service call plus time. And time is right at around 125 to 150 bucks an hour. So if you throw a track and you can't get it back on on a track loader like my Bobcat T770, and you have to pay to have it put back on, which we usually don't, you're looking at around 450 to 500 bucks for me. Um, if you blow a hydraulic system of some sort, a hose or a fitting, a, a pump, whatever, you're looking at a number of hours plus parts. So you could easily be up into the $1,200 range-ish, $1,000 range for them to come out into the mountains, into the woods to to fix you, depending on where you're at and how far you are from the city and da-da-da-da-da. Um, get to know the service manager as well as you can. And instead of being super aggressive and demanding on the guy, try to be as reasonable as possible and let them know your situation. So when I dealt with Bobcat of the Rockies out here, because my brand new, I mean, brand new Bobcat T770, which had 1.9 hours on it, um, had a problem with the track. Now, granted, it was under warranty, but right now, the way things are, so I am speaking to you the 4th of November in 2021, and we know that right now, currently, inventory and the way that business is done is not like it had been the custom for many decades here in the States. Um, And because of that, they are really at the helm of how you're treated and how quickly you're treated because they have the service, they have the parts, they have the crew and they have the equipment to take care of you. And if you treat them right, they'll help you out way more readily than if you yell and cuss and fuss and whatever. You'll hear me talk about this a lot. Guys, I was a corporate purchaser, global sourcer for finished and raw goods for a large corporation. And I had better success than all of my colleagues because of the way I treated my, my, um, suppliers. Don't underestimate a little bit of patience, a little bit of kindness and of being a reasonable person. Now that does not mean that you need to let them run over you. Don't do that. But the biggest problem that I find, and in fact, one of the service managers for a company that I deal with told me, people will call up and say, my machine's broke. Come fix it. That doesn't help them help you. Try to analyze it a little bit. Don't tell them what's wrong because you may not know. Maybe you do. But always say something along the lines of, you know, I was looking at it, we were listening to it, and we think this might be part of the problem. But you guys, when you get here, you can figure it out. I just figured this might help you have a better idea. More information you can give them, the better off it's going to be that they can help you out. And the more willing they'll be to help you out because 
you are being reasonable with them. Now, when it came down to Bobcat, yeah, it cost me some money. And so I told him, I, I was not shying back. I just told him, look, this is the amount of days that you've had me down because this issue on my brand new tractor, and this is the amount of money it's costing me. What I didn't do is demand that they pay me that money back. Why? Well, yeah, it's, people are like, oh, well, you should have demanded. No, 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 no. It's a piece of equipment. They cannot guarantee perfection. You can't guarantee perfection in your business, and you would hate for somebody to demand money back from you. People in your mind need to be reasonable when they're dealing with you, right? Well, you need to be reasonable with them. Now, clearly there are levels that you should be dealing with. If it's been early on and you know, they're trying fine. If they start to neglect you, then there's a different level. Cussing and yelling and things like that never gets good results. All it does is makes people shut down and be less likely to help you, to be honest. But holding them accountable for certain things is important. So if you see that they're not trying to help you, then go and get a little bit more aggressive. I have sent invoices to companies for my time when they haven't handed in or haven't done what they should. Now, that all being said, most of the time we work something out and they didn't pay the invoice, which I was okay with because it was an alternative, but it got them realizing, Hey, this guy's serious. And if I needed to, I would force the invoice. Never had to do it. They always give me something extra, extra filters, extra, whatever that saves me money in the future. And, or they give me extra free service. Like you can, next time you need a service, call us, we'll come out there and do it at no charge. They have a lot of options they can help you with. What they can't do very easily is they cannot often give you money back. Okay. So looking for that as an option is kind of hard. So look for alternatives. What can they do to help you out? Can they swap equipment out? Can they give you free days of rental? Can they do anything to help you speed up that job? Can they give you a loaner in the meantime? I mean, my Bobcat was not a cheap unit. It's the second largest track loader, compact track loader they sell, and it was fully loaded minus one option. The only option that I could get on my um, track loader right now in, in the basic aspect, like in the general sense, is the seven inch touchscreen monitor with a backup camera. That's the only option that that machine doesn't have. It's got the fully enclosed cab. It's got the optional joystick. It's got, you know, all the other stuff. Because right now, companies have such low inventory, they are, to a large degree, most companies forcing you to buy the top of the line because they're going to make their money on sales. So if you're shopping for equipment right now, just know there's not much bargaining, not from the price standpoint and not from the options standpoint. With that in mind, look for other ways to make it worth your while. Look for free service. They sent me the tractor full with a full tank of diesel, which, you know, in the past wasn't the case. They would send you a couple of gallons in it or whatever. And so they did that. They sent me um, some, they they gave me a t-shirt. They gave me whatever. They're giving me free service on a couple of things. Bobcat as the corporation offers a 0% 36-month financing, which most companies are doing right now. They also are offering a 1.9 60 month. Now, 
when it comes to financing a piece of brand new equipment, consider that option and consider potentially buying a more expensive piece of equipment. Now, I'm not trying to get you guys to go in debt. I'm not trying to run your company into the business, but here's why you might want to consider it. I looked at used machines that were $30,000 cheaper than the one that I bought, but they were through like an equipment yard that was secondhand. You know, it was used, it was in good shape. Like there was a, let me see, um, my, my skid has a 95 horsepower rating with a 3,200 ish. I think it is, um, lift capacity has high flow 36 GPM. Um, and those are the things that I needed. I looked at a Kubota SVL 75, which had 150 hours on it, and it was $30,000-ish cheaper. Where was the value for me? Well, in dollars, it seemed like the SVL might be because it was very clean. It had 150 hours on it, but it lacked the high flow capacity that I needed. It had 20 horsepower less than I could get through Bobcat. And I had to use a second party financing. And that second party financing wanted 6.9% to 7.2% with really good credit. And I have good credit. Um, I was going to pay the same or more for a used machine with 20 horsepower less that didn't meet the GPM requirement for high flow forestry attachments, which I plan on using. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. And what was I getting for it? I was getting an inferior machine. It didn't have all the, you know, buttons and whistles that the, um, the Bobcat had. And it was 150 hours of how, how it was used. Who knows where it was used? Who knows? Um, and it didn't have the high flow capacity that I needed. Whereas the Bobcat had AC has all this stuff that I didn't really need. And if honestly, if I had been able to buy the machine under, circumstances from a few years ago i probably wouldn't have gotten all the extra cab best you know bells and whistles but to be to be fair um they're nice to have in the mountains in the snow when you have heater and and all that stuff and um i got it for 60 months financing at 1.9 percent, and i'm paying less or equal to what the thirty thousand dollar cheaper machine would have cost me Another thing that happened is that because of all the issues that we were having with this brand new machine and da, 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 they were willing to work with me on a couple other things. One thing they worked with me on is I bought a brand new extreme duty root grapple. And then they sent me on a loaner, which was their rental fleet unit. Well, their rental fleet units in really good shape. It's used. It's a little beat up, but it's not bent. It works solidly. And it's in my possession right now. So I made a deal with them because of everything that was going on. I said, hey, would you sell me the used 
Grapple, you already have the brand new one on order and give me a discount. And they thought about it for a while. And because I had bought a nice machine and I, you know, I was easy to finance, they said, yeah. So now I'm saving money on a piece of equipment that, yeah, has been used, but it's in good working order. Um, it's, there's nothing majorly wrong with it. No, none of the cylinders are leaking or anything like that. And they're giving me a discount. So I'm saving money for my company and I'm not really losing anything. Yeah. People are like, well, it might wear out. Well, it might, but the new one might wear out. I mean, it's all dependent on how you maintain and how you use. So the money saved really is beneficial to me at the moment, more than the little bit of wear and tear that that root grapple has on it. They also felt so bad because my rear idler on the right-hand side of my track was bad that they replaced it with a brand new track because the idler had ruined the track and then they replaced the idler realizing that was the problem. Now it's running fine and they gave me a um, rear view mirror in the machine which did not come in the machine. So make sure that you find out about that. What comes in your machines? Um, what do you need? Rear view mirrors inside a skid is a really big deal and you shouldn't be really running one without it in my opinion. So um, they they gave me some of that. I'm not saying to expect this stuff from the companies you deal with, but they have things they can help you with. And I got to say, I bought some equipment and I've dealt with some people over the years. Um, I've dealt with, you know, service companies and whatever. And Bobcat of the Rockies has been great. Um, by far, I think they've been the best one I've dealt with in the recent years. So if you're in the Colorado area, you can, they have, um, they have lots on the front range. They also have them over here. They have one in uh, Grand Junction on the Western Slope. But find a company and deal with them. And um, don't get upset that things, you know, don't get overly upset that things don't go exactly as they should the first day out. Because, I mean, I bought a brand new machine. I had a, a bad part on it and it ruined a track and it, it threw my track three times and cost me hours and things. But they worked. They put me on priority. The tech came out, took care of me. We started replacing parts. They never complained. They just came out and did it and they pushed it through with warranty and it was super, super handy. So keep that in mind. Now, the other thing to think about is financing. Um, so yeah, the zero point, the zero percent 36 month financing is really attractive because you're not paying any interest. However, when we did the math, the monthly rate for me was going to be like, I don't remember, 23 or 2600 bucks a month. That's a steep payment per month for three years. When we did the math, the five year at 1.9% was only going to cost me $5,000 more for the term. That means that I'm going to pay $1,000 more per year to have a whatever it is, I think it's $1,300 or $1,600 a month payment on that machine. And that's way easier for me to bite off per month than almost double that, right, per month. Or almost $1,000 more per month. So don't get caught up in the short-term financing just because it's 0%. It may be worth it to you. I mean, what is $1,000 for my company over the year? Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's cheap, but when you get to a certain level of business, that's only like, 
about 80 bucks a month. We spend that much in McDonald's, right? Or fast food or whatever, seriously. So instead of stretching my company super thin, trying to make that payment, it's better for me to pay the long-term financing and spend that extra money because that machine is making me that money. If I have to go into um, repo on that machine or if I have to work out something with that machine because I can't pay it off or try to sell it, not only am I out a piece of valuable equipment to my company force-wise, workforce-wise, but I'm also ruining my credit and I'm also having to deal with all that extra stress on top of the work that I already have and it messes up jobs that I bid and it does all this stuff. And so honestly, finding the easier route, even if it costs you a little bit money, makes you more money in the end, potentially. So think about those things. Don't just get sucked into that 0% 36-month financing unless you can just legitimately do it. If you can, great, do it. But think about it and and work it out. And then um, don't forget that there's a lot of hidden costs to larger equipment. And it's not really hidden, but you have to think about it. For instance, I had to buy a new trailer for the skid because none of my trailers would handle the skid of that size. We had thought about buying a smaller skid, but... The skids that we were looking at buying originally weren't qualified for the forestry equipment. And I decided to buy in some terms that guys like to use the last skid I'll ever need, which means it'll handle all the duties that I will need or want to use it for in my scope of work. Now, there is a machine that's larger than mine by Bobcat called the 880, but for the price difference and the benefit, it wasn't worth the value to me. So I didn't buy that one. The one that I have will handle everything I need it to handle within the scope of work that I am planning on doing. So I went ahead and bought that one, even though I don't have the implements for it yet to do that, because I know that that's where I'm heading. Also, don't forget that you have attachments, your buckets and all that kind of stuff. And if you buy buckets through the manufacturer or attachments through the manufacturer, sometimes they will give you a deal for volume purchase. I bought a heavy duty or an extreme duty um, bucket that's just a flat edge, you know, typical volume bucket. And then I also bought the root grapple. So they worked with me a little bit on that because I bought two implements that were not cheap at the same time and got them financed. Um, The forestry attachments and all that kind of stuff you can get to a certain level depending on what each company offers. And then there's other things you might have to do, like, for instance, the Bobcat um, options. You have to get a forestry protection kit, which has a top hat for the the roof. It has some stuff on the back to protect it in the woods. And then also you have to buy a different door, which is a bulletproof Lexan door or whatever, um, to protect you. And it has to have a certain sensor or the machine won't work. And it's an extra cost. So um, think about all that. And then, like I said, the trailers. Can your trailer handle the weight of that machine? So it's machine plus attachments, plus chains, plus binders, plus, plus, plus. And you've got to have a margin on that because um, what if you're out in a muddy area or snow-filled area and you try to clean your tracks, but there's still some weight on it? Well, if you get pulled over and it's overweight, that's not a good deal with the DOT. So think about that. Can your truck reasonably haul this equipment? Um, So before you start going out and just buying a piece of equipment, think about the potentials of what you might have to do to make that all happen and line all that up. 
the equipment cost is only one cost. If it's your first piece of equipment, you are going to have to think about these other aspects. So not only is it your financing of the machine, but it's also the cost of all these other implements you need, all this other equipment you need, and now you have extra parts you need. Now you have extra tools that you may not need for any of your other equipment, but now you need it for this. So um, try to think that all through. And if you're not experienced with like, for instance, a track skid, you, you know, you need to have grease guns and different things like that that can not only grease the fittings, but put the tension in the track. So we've been doing it by hand, but that's a bear. So now I'm looking at a $200 um, electric like battery cordless grease gun to give it the pressure it needs to tension the tracks like it needs. And there's a certain tension that you should be running. And there's all this little stuff like that. And so that's, you know, just $200 more out of the bank account. So there's all this kind of stuff. Um, do you have the pipes? Do you have the wood? Do you have the um, chains or whatever you might need to get your track back on? Um, and the, the leverage bars and all that stuff. Because you'll need that stuff if you're running a track machine. I mean, there's all kinds of little tools that add up. You could easily have $1,000 extra in tools to do the tasks that you need to work on the machine. So um, do some research before you go buy something and um, think about the value, not just the price or the sa quote unquote savings. It's only a savings if you can do it. So 0% 36 month financing is great if you can afford it without a doubt, but it's no savings at all if you have to return the machine because you're in default or they come repo it or you have to try to fire sell it and you lose a lot of money on it or your credit gets ruined no savings whatsoever in that case so i hope this helps you guys out a little bit about buying machines and that i'm using the bobcat because that's just what i bought recently um i am not sponsored by bobcat of the rockies at all so you know that i just really have found that they were really easy to deal with so you might want to check them out and deal with it um and and buy something from them if you're in this area um, I'm not promoting Bobcat over the others. I mean, to be honest, Case, you know, um, Kubota, uh, Cat, they all have good machines. John Deere, if you like John Deere. I, I kind of stay away from John Deere these days because of pricing and because of all the tech stuff that's going on about their programs and their um, proprietary stuff and lockdown and all that stuff of your machine and whatever. So, um, you know, just kind of keep that in mind and I hope this helps you out. I will talk about real soon other topics about climbing and other equipment and we will um, continue. I'll try to make more episodes uh, more frequently for you guys and thanks for stopping by and checking it out. Don't forget to stop by and check out my YouTube channel. If you could please subscribe to that channel, that would be a huge help. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Go check out my sponsors weaverarborist.com new product that i've designed and i've worked with them on is coming out soon also don't forget to check out gaparborsupply.com and just send it saws let them know that i sent you and i will talk to you guys in the next one take care bye